This is the Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some bees talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 227 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Bridget and Scott, you two had the pleasure of interviewing the hottest story out of Bruins training camp this season or this off season. And that is Matt Patra who has earned a spot on this opening night roster tomorrow night against the Blackhawks. And at 19 years old, it's clearly a very um, uncommon feat for him to do. So Bridget and Scott just discuss maybe what fans can look forward to listening in this interview upcoming. Yeah. Well, obviously we got into, you know, his camp, his preseason, making the team, just all the excitement around that, Um, you know, obviously looking ahead to some of the feelings he has going into the opener and his, his first NHL experience and, you know, how he's trying to approach this Um, as you'll hear from him. He's, he's trying to keep the same exact approach that he had all through camp and preseason, which has obviously worked for him to, to this point. So uh, I think that's that's the right approach. Obviously, he's not in a position where he can take his foot off the gas at all. You know, it's these this nine game sample that they get is essentially an extended tryout. So, um, you know, I'd say that's the right mindset to have to to still be treating it like he's like he's trying to prove himself and you know trying to force the Bruins' hand into into. Uh, having him stay beyond those nine games. Yeah. And I I feel like, so I wanted to ask him about if, when you listen around sports talk radio, I don't think they have a good idea of really who he is yet or what, or what he can bring even conversation text conversations I've had with people. The main criticism or the main detractor for in people's minds for him making the opening night roster had a lot to do with his size. Um, Him being a smaller player, is he going to be able to hold up in the NHL? So we asked him about, um, how he's prepped himself in that way, what his routine might look like throughout the season in order to address maybe him not being the biggest player. Um, and we also got into just some some fun personal questions um, at the end. And, and I guess throughout, uh, clarified his name pronunciation for, you know, hopefully, you know, the last time, hopefully everybody gets it now. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. He was really, uh, he, he comes across as a very nice kid. So um, he's somebody that everybody should be looking forward to watching on opening night. And there's a clear sense of innocence to him being just 19 years old. And the two of you asked him about just how much he knows about Boston and, and if he watched the Bruins growing up. And I think ignorance is bliss for him, and I think that's probably the best going into a, a centennial season for the Bruins as 19 years old is to maybe not know exactly how big the lights are in Boston, how bright they are. And I think I that's, asked uh, him, I, he doesn't know where he's going to live yet, and I asked him if he's going to live in Southie, and I don't think he knew what Southie was at all. So he'll figure it out eventually, but. No. And then uh, and then after you guys finish recording, Scott asked him if he wants to room with him. And so <laughs> that's. That, that's what they're going to do now. So um, I'm kind of burying the lead there. Oh, I missed that <laughs> so part. That I don't know. Where did I go for that? It's, it's a little bit of a commute from, from hey, Lowell hey, to Brighton, hey, but, you know, he'll get used to it. Scott, what, 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 what's with that headline, man? Don't 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 trash talk me on, on EEI. I'm sorry, Maddie. <laughs> hey, what do you want for dinner? 
Uh, but anyway, so yeah, lots to look forward to. And I think we're probably ready now to throw it over to the to Bridget and Scott's interview with Matt Patra. All right, we're here with Matt Patra on the Skate Podcast. Matt, thanks for taking a few minutes. And yeah. right off the bat, let's settle this. Matt Patra. That is correct? Yeah, that's how it's pronounced, yeah. Okay, because that is still getting screwed up by a lot of people. But yeah. I think, you know, if you stick around, I think people are going to get it. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Patra, Patra. Okay. French, though, right? French, uh, yeah, it's... French-Canadian? Uh, yeah, it's French, but uh, I'm not really French, so just go by, like, the and English. Me either. I have a silent uh, LX at the end of my name. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I got the like silent the, letters. Yeah. Got the From silent people. S. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So certainly, it looks like you're you're here for opening night, and just what what was it like when you realized that you know that was going to happen, and you had made this team's initial roster? I mean, it's it's awesome. It's, it's a dream come true to finally uh, be here and you know have a chance to play in the NHL. So um, I'm not gonna take it for granted. I'm gonna keep trying to play my game, and uh, you know, it's, it's a dream come true. Does the mindset change at all? You know, going from training camp preseason, you know trying to prove yourself make the team does anything change now that you're here and now that it's regular season i think for me nothing changes from the start it's just been like uh it's been a tryout and uh i think it'll just continue to be a tryout every practice every game it's uh for me it's just i want to be here all year so um trying to try to make a good impression every time I'm on the ice and hopefully get to stick around for the year do you think it helped you at all that you had relatively low pressure on you coming in? Expectations were kind of low, and then you were able to move the bar higher? Um, yeah, definitely. Like There wasn't too much pressure, but I mean, I was putting pressure on myself because I came in here, I wanted to, I wanted to try to make the team. So obviously there's there's pressure, there's nerves, being on the ice every day. And, I mean, you're trying out to play in the NHL, and it's everybody's dream. So there's, there's def- there was definitely some pressure. Not wasn't too crazy, but uh, I think it was more like pressure I was putting on myself. And, is there a moment where, you know, I don't know, like a come to Jesus moment or where things clicked and you felt like, I, I can really do this, like I, I can play at this level? Um, I think maybe just the first, like, preseason game, um, kind of just, like, scoring. That really is just a big confidence boost and kind of helps you feel like, oh, maybe, like, yeah, I can, like, kind of stick here and maybe that I belong. And I think that just kind of went a long way where it's like, I'm coming on the ice, I'm I'm playing confident. I, I know I can kind of play at this level. So, um, yeah, just maybe like the first couple of shifts of that game, uh, just getting the puck on, in the net and getting a lot of touches on the power play and stuff like that. We'll be, we'll be dropping this ahead of the season opener. So what is the contingent going to look for you? I know you mentioned on media day you have family coming, but do you you know the, the numbers, exactly how many people are coming? I'm not I'm not really sure. I think my, my mom, my dad, my brother, sister, my grandparents – um, my girlfriend, I don't know, there might be more than that, I'm not sure if my dad's bringing a couple buddies or what's, uh, what's going on, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I know for sure. Uh, what are some of the things you worked on in juniors before coming here that you think, you know, maybe has helped your game, um, led you to this point right now? I think for me it was just, uh, you know, I'm not a big guy, I'm more like, more like finesse but I like to pride myself on winning puck battles in the corner so for me in June just even just this summer it's just getting stronger um just being able to kind of hold my own and you know I'm not like the heaviest of guys and I'm not tall so uh just for me trying to hold my own in, in corners so most of my work kind of goes in into the gym but uh maybe like an all nice thing at the end of last season just trying to focus on 
being better in the D zone and better uh, D zone positioning, just putting more emphasis on that because it's kind of maybe uh, you don't need to focus on the D zone as much in juniors because it's more of like a run and gun. But once you get up here, it's it's a lot different. Uh, the details are different. So. Yeah, I had a follow-up question on that as well. Just, Do you have, like, ha- now working with the nutritionists here and the trainers here, have they set goals for you, maybe a weight goal, anything that they're working on with you to try to get to? Um, no, it's mostly just, like, try and uh try to get like my body fat up a bit uh, bulking. nothing yeah like not really too much bulking because i don't want to be playing at a weight where it's like i feel slower on the ice i want to be able to kind of go out there and like feel like myself and feel good about like my skating and how i move so uh not like not trying to put on like a set amount of weight but i think just over like time like, it's not going to happen overnight just over time just putting a, maybe a bit more weight on a bit more muscle in the past did you have to kind of figure out a way to do that on your own is it a lot easier now that you have people kind of giving you structure in that way it's definitely easier being here and you know you come in the gym there's a workout there for you so you kind of like know what the expectation is and like other than like it's different than junior because uh, you kind of show up and there's not too much structure because um, there's obviously not as many like staff members around every single day, so it's just uh, it's just, yeah, it's different. I think um, it's more on your own, I guess, back then. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely more on my own. So now there's like lots of help, so no excuse to not be working out and doing that stuff. So. Obviously, it's been a pretty steep development curve to be here. You know, one year after getting drafted, and to me, I look in. I think it's even more impressive when you consider that you lost the entire 2020 COVID season, at least in terms of playing games. How did you, you know, manage to overcome that and stay on track, you know, then with just one year to get you ready for your draft? I think, yeah, for me, it was just, you couldn't really prepare for something like that. Uh, I mean, I was stuck at home for most of 2020. There wasn't even like ice really, or I couldn't really get to the gym because everything was like shut down in Ontario. So, uh, I was just working out in my basement, trying to do as much as possible. I didn't really, I didn't really know too much about like what I was doing, so that was the tough part about it. So when I kind of showed up for my first year of junior, it was like haven't really skated that much, haven't really had like set workouts at like a gym where I'm working with a trainer. So it was just uh, kind of just taking everything in stride. It was more like I was on my own, and uh, you know I was fortunate enough to get drafted. And then this last summer I was uh, able to get you know things back to normal and working out at the at the the gym uh, I had been before and everything was open up so I think for me it was just being able to get in the gym being able to get on the ice and kind of just uh, work on my work on my game so that really helped going to like last year junior and kind of took the same approach this summer so grew up in Ontario about half hour from Toronto yeah half hour 45 minutes so you said you watch a lot of Leafs games you said you were sort of a Leafs fan, so were they your team? or? or? Uh, when I was, like, really young, I was a, like, a Chicago Blackhawks fan, oh, okay. so I had Jonathan Tay's jerseys in my room, and I was, just, I was a huge Hawks fan, and then kind of as I got older and the Leafs kind of were, like, a younger team and, like, lots of excitement with, like, Matthews and Marner and Nylander, I kind of got into watching them just because they were so close and get to go to the games every, every once in a while, so it's just, like, it was an exciting time in Toronto, so I was, like... My, my mom was a Leafs fan, like my nan was a Leafs fan, and then I kind of just got into it because the, the games are always on TV, and, you know, when they're in the playoffs, me and my buddies would, like, get together and, and watch the game. So it's just, just uh, I don't know, it's, like, it, it's, it's, it's convenient, it's close, and they were, they're, they've been good the last few years. So. 
coach just mentioned that you had uh, you've become adept at the D zone, and he explained you have high hockey IQ. Is that something that people have told you throughout your growing up, being able to think the game quickly? You know, having a high hockey IQ. Yeah, I think for me, it's always been I've kind of relied on hockey IQ and you know compete. So that's kind of been my way of like getting getting around and improving on the ice. So I think it all starts with like a high hockey IQ, and then you can kind of just adapt to different systems and play with different players. So uh, yeah. I'm sure the answer is probably a little bit of everything, but what are you working on, focusing on um, in your game, you know, in these practices leading up to opening night and as you get more time with this team? I think, again, it's just building confidence and, uh, you know, playing against these guys every day, you're going you're gonna to get better because they're the best players in the world. So uh, I think for me it's just getting comfortable out there and, uh, you know, it's different systems, you know, getting getting used to a new team. So it's just uh, trying to simplify things and just uh, keep working on, uh, like, D-zone, D-zone systems and neutral zone and stuff like that. I know, and, uh, I know it's, you know, 100 miles an hour going through all this, making the team now, getting ready for opening night. Have you allowed yourself, you know, a few moments to take a deep breath and kind of let it sink in? Uh, I don't think so. I think just... Just trying to focus on one thing at a time. I think if uh, I started dwelling too much on like, oh, I'm playing tomorrow, I'd just get in my own head. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, obviously a bit nervous for tomorrow night. It's like nothing I've ever done before, and you know it's gonna be awesome when I get out there, and, and the nerves will fade away after the first shift. But uh, yeah. I know you said that you do not have a figured out living situation yet, but does the team help you with something like that? I've always been curious, like. Do you have to figure that out on your own? Is someone there to help you? Maybe you have roommates or someone inviting you to stay with them? Oh, I think the team's definitely going to help me figure that out. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm, like a, I'm a young guy. I don't really – it's like my kind of my first time kind of just being out. Like in, in juniors, we have billets, and other than that, I've just been living at home. So I think the team will definitely help me out with – Are going to put China. you in Southie or something? I'm not totally sure yet, but I'm going to be in the hotel for now until we kind of figure out what's going on for the, like the rest of the year. So, yeah. Okay. We like to wrap these up with uh, non-hockey questions. So we learned on media day that cooking, not one of your hobbies. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> what, what are your hobbies? What, what do you like to do when you do have some downtime? Um, for me, it's just hanging out with my buddies. You know, I like to play, like, any sport available. Like, you know, growing up, like, just in school, I played every sport. So whether it's, like, you know, organizing a basketball tournament or going to play pickleball or tennis or, I mean, like, any sport, I'm, it's kind of kind of what I do. So, yeah. Bridget, anything else? No. Anything we're good? Because I, mean, I, I don't think you know much about Boston yet. Usually we ask questions like, oh, where's your favorite place to go eat? But I feel like you're still learning all this I don't know, stuff, like, so. nah, I don't know much about Boston. So. You're going to need to figure out where you live first and then find out what's close to that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, nor- normally a Patriots game is like somewhere on that checklist, but they're not. Well, I went, there. Not, I went to one last team. year. Oh, I went to okay. one last year. They, uh, they didn't win, but. Yeah, it's, I was gonna say, there's it's a cool atmosphere though. There's not a lot that they've been winning, unfortunately. No, not recently. <laughs> it was a really, it's really cool atmosphere when we went last year, but yeah. Oh, have you been to Fenway yet? Uh, I've been to Fenway a few times. It's like development camp, we went to Fenway and watched the game. So yeah, it's it's a really cool stadium. All right, thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, Good thank luck. you. Yeah, thank Good you. Work. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Matt Potter for sitting down with Bridget and Scott after practice the, on the eve of his NHL regular season debut. Bridget and Scott, uh, a lot of good conversation there. What was the biggest thing that stood out to you in, in, in sitting down with Matt? Well, one thing, and I kind of mentioned this before, but him trying to keep the same exact mindset he's had through camp and preseason. And when I asked him, like, has he even allowed himself 
a few moments to sort of take a deep breath and appreciate this. And he says, no, not really. And, he, you know, I just, I guess like, I just hope at some point tomorrow, pregame, warmups, whatever it might be. Like, I, I hope he does kind of allow himself that moment um, just to soak it all in. So, you know, I, it's clear he has sort of the right mindset and that determination to, to not get comfortable or, or feel like he's accomplished anything yet. But at the same time, it's like he, he has accomplished something pretty impressive, you know, to go from not really being on anyone's projected opening night lineup to winning a spot there as a 19 year old. So um, maybe it'll take a while for that to settle in for him, but you know, hopefully he at least gets a chance to soak some of it in. Yeah. And I think he's, he gave the reason that he's, he already thinks he'll be nervous. So he kind of just doesn't want to think about it that much so that he can keep himself more calm uh, going into it, which makes sense. Uh, So, I mean, it was a great interview. He he was with us for a little bit longer, I think, than uh, we were slotted to talk to him, but he was very nice about it. And um, just the, my main takeaway would just be that uh, he's optimistic about the season, and I'm very optimistic for what he can do. Um, he's got the right mindset. He is on the right path physically with what he's doing. He said he, they want him to gain body fat. I wish anyone would tell me that I needed to put on weight, but, um, uh, you know, so his plan is to get bigger throughout the season. Uh, his age doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge factor because he's already thinking the game at such a high speed. Um, I talked to him a little bit about the hockey IQ there at the end. And he said that that can, that has given him a step up in the past against other players so we'll see if that translates into the nhl well bridget we, we haven't told you this but i guess i'll break the news now uh we are doing a skate pod weightlifting competition in december Guys, i'm so, gonna crush the shit out of you <laughs> i'm gonna win that so so, so you might want to start bulking at some point oh i've i've been bulking that's my problem <laughs> so yeah, great, great takeaways. And, you know, for me, it was it was when you guys were discussing um, or, or Matt was discussing with you guys uh, that during COVID, there was an issue um, with, you know, not being able to play an entire season. And, you know, in Ontario, it was pretty much locked down and he just couldn't really get any ice anywhere. And he was just working out in his basement and trying to stay fresh. But, you know, to, in, in that short amount of time to go from not playing an entire season you know, to get them getting drafted and just being at the NHL at 19 years old, it's with, with missing an entire year of, of playing games is that sort of, to me is just somebody who's just, that's a special player. It's a special talent. Um, I mean, that's just, that, that stood out to me for sure. So uh, it makes you wonder maybe uh, now he, he missed that season prior to being drafted or just, yeah. So it, it makes you wonder, like maybe he wouldn't be a, maybe he wouldn't have gone so under the radar at the NHL draft to fall to Boston had that not shaken up the way that it did. Um, so I don't know. Very fortunate for the Bruins to get him where, where they did. And uh, it looks like they found, they found a diamond in the rough. So that, that, that was my biggest takeaway was potentially not playing an entire season at 17 years old. Maybe he went under the radar a little bit with other NHL teams. Yeah, I kind of forgot, too, like, how much more lockdown Canada was. Like, it was something that Scott, like, 
brought up and it like jogged my memory because I did have friends in Canada and I was, and they told me they were not allowed to do literally anything. And he said he couldn't even go to like the gym. He had worked out in his basement. So it, you know what, he put a lot on himself and uh, he didn't have any help at that time. Uh, so, you know, his own motivation is what got him to this point, uh, got him through the pandemic and has been getting him through the preseason. And um, if he's able to self-motivate like that up to this point, I feel like it's even easier to motivate yourself in the NHL. So um, hopefully he brings that same mindset, work set. Yeah. And, you know, like that season, 2020, 21 season, that's age 16, 17. You get drafted at 18. It's like that's that's a huge point in any player's development. And it maybe possibly even like worked in the Bruins favor. You wonder if, you know, if he does get that season and maybe his, you know, this past season in the OHL, the 22-23 season was really his big breakout where he's top 10 and top five in scoring second in assists. You wonder like maybe what if that comes a year earlier, if he has that extra year of development at, you know, playing in games, um, maybe he goes higher than the second round and he's not there when the Bruins pick, they did not have a first round pick that season. So, uh, you know, it, like you can even look back at those next two drafts after that season. So like the, 21 and 22 drafts and uh pretty much all the analysts like would point that out that these are going to be more unpredictable than a lot of drafts because all a lot of these kids especially from the ohl but even from other leagues that didn't play or only played a few games or had a very abbreviated season um there was just more unpredictability there like that's that's a whole year of development training evaluation that no one's getting so um yeah you know his first season in Guelph the the following year obviously he was he, he was good and that you know good enough to get him on the radar and be a second round pick but then really took off the year after once he had that that full season in the OHL under his belt and a full summer of regular training and now you see where it's where it's set him up now where he's you know at least made the push for for opening night and this nine game sample and possibly even more than that and scott that that begs the question and there's a few that we wanted to get to here in the in what would i guess we'll call it season preview episode part two maybe um because we we did have a couple of bonus content yeah (laughs) <laughs> Some bonus content, yeah. Um, you know, as it pertains to Patra, we talked a lot in the offseason, you know, going to a season where we think it's going to be Coyle and Zaka as your number one and number two center. And uh, in the wake of Bergeron and Krejci retiring, and, and the sentiment was good enough to compete, not good enough to contend. And that the Bruins, at least at center, and, and the Bruins would probably have to address a number one center or at the very least, a bona fide number two center down the line through trade, free agency, whatever, outside the system. Does does Matt Patra's impressive camp and emergence as a potential top two center and certainly a future top two center, does that change the Bruins' need to acquire a top two center outside the organization 
in the near future? It certainly could. I think what it does is it buys them time to see what they have. And this is why, or this is part of the reason I'm not going to sit here and pretend I expected Patra to make the opening night roster. But if you remember during our off season podcast, when we were talking about, you know, what the hell do they do? I said, like, I thought their options this summer going into the season were very limited. So I was okay with rolling what you have, seeing how the year goes, even reevaluating mid season. If you have to, and part of that was see how some of your younger centers develop, whether that is Patra, who obviously I thought was going to be in the OHL again. Now he's starting the NHL, whether that's Merkulov in either Providence or potentially Boston. Um, Brett Harrison's going to be a first year pro in Providence this year. So that was part of the patience as well was, I didn't think the perfect solution was out there, certainly not for a reasonable cost. So you might as well see what you have, let the season play out. And then if it, if it turns out that you're a pretty good team, but you still clearly need center help, then explore ways to potentially add that before the deadline. But yeah, Patra developing into, you know, a top two center would be huge. And he hasn't done that yet. Right. He's, He's made the team. He's going to start as a third-line center. There's still a lot for him to prove, so, like, let's not get too far ahead and, and you know, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and look at Patra and Zaka and be like, well, it's all solved, all done. Here we go. Like, they're your top two centers of the future. But if things go well for both of those guys, that could be the plan. Like, if Zaka continues to improve on last season and really adapts well to a full season at center. If Patrick keeps getting better and sticks in the NHL and shows upside going forward, where potentially he's a number two center as early as next, next season, or maybe even some point this year, it's like, wow, that certainly goes a hell of a long way towards answering all of those questions. So yeah, it, it certainly lessens the need in the immediate future. Um, And I guess, you know, we might as well mention now, like one of the names they got linked to was, you know, all summer was Mark Shifley, who has now signed a seven year extension in Winnipeg. So he's off the market. That's one option down. Um, There's no guarantee there's going to be a great option there before the trade deadline next summer. So the more that you can solve this internally, just, the better off you're going to be by far. Well, yeah, Scott, you kind of just took what I was going to say as well. It, it, it turned out to solve itself a little bit with some of the, the preparation that you had put in before. And that was drafting centers, taking wax, you know, you never know. It, it, it might be a guy you draft in the first round. It might be a guy, you know, you draft in the third, fourth. Pacha turns out to be someone they drafted in the second round. And they also were able to solve the center problem internally by adding Zaka previously um, and moving him over from wing to center. So um, it's, it leaves him in a good position as long as Zaka can play consistently at center. Um, and Patra, even if he just holds up uh, the way he's been playing through preseason and logs good minutes and, and shows good upside on a, in a third line role, though I do think he could end up in a second line role. Uh, it 
relieves the need to target a center aggressively and maybe it leaves you open to other options at the trade deadline. Maybe you're looking for, um, you know, if you're a buyer, maybe you're looking to add another winger for Patra on the third line. Say he, it would benefit him to have a good um, scoring winger, maybe someone that is a little better at it than geeky. If you if you really think you're going to be a, a playoff team, maybe add, maybe it gives you room to add something else or in, in the off season, uh, maybe that becomes less of a need for you. Um, so it, it opens up other options for Don Sweeney to target at different positions if you really like how this season goes with Beecher and with Patra. Obviously, we don't know like that. We're way ahead of ourselves on this because we don't know exactly how his season's going to turn out. Um, but if it turns out that he's he solidifies that spot, then it really does make things easier. I certainly agree with that. And I think that the Bruins going forward, I think center ice should still be their, their draft priority because there, there's no guarantees as promising as we think Patrick can be based off of his preseason. That it is, you can, you can, I feel like trade for and buy in free agency uh, wingers a lot easier than you can uh, top two centers. <clears throat> so I think that uh, that should still be a priority, but I do think Patra has been a, you know, a, a very, very important development. And certainly considering that you haven't even played a regular season game yet without Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci um, for, for it to happen that quick, at least have a promising future, maybe even present top two centers is, is a, is a very, very um, incredible development for the, for this team. So, Bridget and Scott, one one question we didn't get to last episode pertaining to the Bruins' upcoming season is what defines a successful season for them this year for you guys? I mean, obviously last year, this time last year, they were starting without Marsh and, and McAvoy, and it was like, you know, tread water. That was the term used at nauseum uh, and, and, and until they get healthy and try to sneak your way into the playoffs and, and see what happens. And then as the year went along, it was very quickly cup or bust. Certainly at the trade deadline, certainly entering the playoffs, it was cup or bust. Anything less than the Stanley Cup was a failure. So clearly they failed last year. And when I ask this question, it's easy to sit there and say, well, the goal for every team is to win a Stanley Cup. But if you take a closer look at each team, they're all in different situations in their development, in their roster structure and building. So I ask you guys now, the Bruins lost a lot of key players last year from last year. They've also gained some players in free agency and a couple of younger players they've drafted and Beecher and Patra and eventually maybe Lori. This team is still competitive. What defines a successful season for the 2023-2024 Boston Bruins for each of you? I would say the bare minimum is make the playoffs. Uh, as we talked about on our preview episode, we all still think they're a playoff team. In fact, we all picked them to finish second in the division. We threw out a poll on uh, on the SkatePod Twitter account, which people should, should keep an eye out for more of those at the SkatePod on Twitter. Um, we'll, we'll throw up more pods related to, to episodes, kind of trying to get you know some feedback from listeners. And... You know, I, I just posted as, where do you think the Bruins finish? For, you know, win the division, second or third in the division, fourth slash wild card, 
or miss the playoffs? And the most common answer agreed with us that it was second, third in the division. Um, and over 90% had them making the playoffs. A very small percentage uh, said miss the playoffs. So I think that's fair to start there. And then I didn't know we had Leafs fans following the skate pod. um and then from there like if you can win a round obviously that to me makes it you know as we're looking at this before the season i think if they win a playoff round that makes it a successful year because you know while this is sort of a transition year and maybe just making the playoffs is enough and helps you know especially if you have some younger players in the lineup helps get their feet wet Winning a round going further than last year, avoiding going three straight years of first round exits. Like, I think that's important. I think that's something they could really feel good about and start to build on where it's like, you know, if you, if you lose in the first round again, now you've done that three years in a row. And even though this is a new team and kind of a new era, you still like, you don't really want that attached to you. You don't want to be, the team that, you know, now people start wondering, is that all you are? Can you get out of the first round? Like for years under Cassidy until his final season, it was always, well, they're going to at least win a round. And then, you know, you hope they do more than that. Obviously they had a bunch of second round exits um, in, in the one cup final run. But I think if you can get to the second round with this team, that to me would sort of start to feel like the, the 17, 18 team where, they got to the second round and then lost to the lightning, but like, at least it was something to build off. And then obviously that next year in 19, they make a deep run. Yeah. I I agree that like on a, on a macro scale, defining a successful season for Boston would be making it out of the first round. Um, I don't think that the expectations are like, cup or bust at all this season um so make it further than last year um maybe make up a little bit of for that um embarrassing ending of the season on a micro level i think that defining a successful season would be seeing growth from those younger players is seeing uh either and and i include laura in this conversation seeing one or all of them uh make progress and really make the case to stay in an NHL role uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, also on a micro level, a successful season for them would look like getting the kind of goaltending you got last year. Um, it'd be hard to beat considering uh, the Vesna season of Allmark and just the shared combination of great stats between him and Swayman last year. But that would be really the start of a successful season coming from the back, right? Goaltending solid decor again, and just hoping that guys who are young are able to really catch on with the team. And you know that at the end of the year, um, you, you know, the postmortem of the season episode will probably have comments like, uh, you know, negative ones, oh, they should have gone farther, should have been, the, you know, trying to make it all the way to the Stanley Cup. But then we'll have our more optimistic viewers commenting that uh, it was just a good, good season to see development um, and, you know, having a little bit more of a positive outlook for next season when they have a little bit more cap space and when they've if they um, were able to see that they solved that problem at center a little bit. So 
Um, yeah, um, on a macro level, making out of the first round on a micro level, um, seeing just seeing the development that you want to see. Um, and maybe getting Jake DeBrusque re-signed. I don't know. That could be part of it. Um, just just having a better idea of what your future looks like, right? About what that next core looks like and having there be hope in that. Yeah, I, I'm in alignment with, with both of you on, on everything that you said. I think missing the playoffs is a failure. This team is too good. Even though it's a very competitive division, in a very competitive conference, this team is far too deep, especially on the back end and goal. And honestly, I mean, yeah, like they're, they're deep up front too. Um, more so than other teams, I would say. I mean, um, yeah, like center, center ice clearly has been in a position of need all off season. We've said Coyle Zaka is not ideal, but Potra's a nice develop development and and there's enough there. Okay. So this team is too good to, to miss the playoffs. That's a failure. Making the playoffs should be the bare minimum, which is a, a phrase that Scott just said. And and yeah, I think winning a winning around, as Bridget said, going further than you did last year is a success. So I think I think another success is this team proving to themselves that that they're good enough to make the playoffs without the leadership. From Bergeron and, and and the playmaking and defensive awareness from Bergeron and Krejci to make the playoffs without your top two centers from the year prior, without going outside the organization to fill those roles, is, is impressive. I don't think a lot of teams could do that. So um, that that would be very very impressive. And yeah, to for for this generation um, of Bruins players, uh, Bruins leaders, for for Charlie McAvoy, for for David Pasternak, for you know Jake DeBrusque, Brandon Carlo. Hampus Lindholm, Johnny Beecher, Matt Potra, like all these kids that are, that are, you know, and I say kids, I mean, Lindholm's 30, <laughs> I think close to it. But um, my point is this is the next wave and it, it's time for them to step up. I want like Charlie McAvoy, he, he, he's, he's a top defenseman in the NHL. I still think that he has another level to get to um, offensively, I think. And I think he could be a little bit meaner game in and game out. And he's already one of the best defensemen in the world. So I want to see him take that next step. David Pasternak, uh, Scott, I, I believe you were in the scrum. Somebody asked him, how do you improve upon a 60-goal season? Well, maybe you don't score, maybe you don't go out there and score 65 goals the following year, but maybe he improves as a leader and maybe he improves on the defensive side of his game. Maybe he's more responsible in the, in the neutral zone. Like David Pasternak is always going to be, as long as he plays until he shows me otherwise, one of the best offensive players in the world. But he can improve in other areas. And I think that takes leadership to recognize that you need to improve in other areas. So I just want to see McAvoy and, and, and Pasternak grow as, as as those leaders because they know it's their time and it's their team. So, um, yeah, I think from, from, a, from a bird's eye view, a success is going further than they, than they did last year. Um, Anything short of the playoffs is a failure. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think I think I, I I really want to watch Charlie Coyle like and Pavel Zaka. Like I think they're relishing the opportunity to to get more playing time and more minutes and bigger roles. Matt Potter is going to try to keep his role. Um. So yeah, I mean, at, at the risk of rambling, I just think I, I echo what you guys said. And there's a lot of you know storylines to follow throughout the year that 
would also be a success if these players can rise to the occasion. For what it's worth, a a note on Coyle in the preseason and in in practice, I I mean, even today, uh, it does seem like Coyle and DeBrusque have created some chemistry um, on some of their, like, line rushes in practice. Uh, It it seemed like those two always knew where each other was on the ice. I I think that the chemistry has been building for them. So if the line is Marshawn, Coyle, DeBrusque, um, that's something that we'll keep an eye on. But I think that there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about this yesterday, but I talked to DeBrusque at Media Day and asked him a little bit about, like, the chemistry with Coyle and Marshan and just the the dynamic of that line. And, you know, what he said was, like, those are two guys who want to have the puck a lot. They're really good protecting the puck when it's on their stick. And he said, you know, so, like, for me, that means if they're going to be the ones, you know, holding on to the puck – I'm the one trying to get open. And he's like, I, you know, I look forward to that. Like if he's in a position where it's, Hey, you know, I'm trying to get open in a scoring area and they're going to find me and my job's going to, you know, a a lot of time, or at least some of the time be the shooter on that line. Like that's a dynamic that could work. Cause you know, I would say coil certainly tends to hang on to pucks longer than Bergeron did. And Bergeron at times would even kind of be the, the pop-out shooting option, right? Not just on the power play and the bumper, but five on five, he'd be the one finding that little bit of space in the slot and, you know, Marshan sets him up for a quick one-timer. Well, now it's, you know, it might be DeBrusque doing more of that. So, um, yeah, def- definitely be interesting to watch that line. And in the season that DeBrusque has in particular, obviously trying to build off a career year. Um, just one last thing I get thought of in terms of, you know, where they finish or whether they can win a round sort of like another way to frame it is what that means just within the division and sort of how you can feel against that competition. Because if you finish second or third and you win a round, that means you've, you're one of the top two in the division. That means you're, you know, competing for that chance to go to the conference final, which potentially means you've, gotten revenge on Florida or at least gone further than them. And you can start to feel like, okay, we actually are a better team than that, than them. No matter what happened last year, if you're, if you go further than Tampa, all right, these are two teams who had to take something of a step back just because of their cap situation. We didn't take as much of a step back as they did. If you're ahead of Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, you go further than them hey, you know what? Yeah, they're trying to catch us, but they haven't caught us yet. And now we already feel like we're building for the future too. And now we have this cap space. And you can just, you can really start to feel like you're staying ahead of all those teams who were chasing you last year. Maybe you still feel like, you know what? Most of them are still chasing us. You know, Toronto could finish first. We we know their playoff history, like, you you have a chance against them. So I also think there's an element of that. If you're talking about just confidence moving forward, whether that's the players or even just the fan base, like if you can feel like you're still ahead of the majority of the division, um, that would, you know, I think that contributes to, to a successful season too. Yeah. I mean, 
especially as it pertains to Tampa Bay without having Vasilevsky for two months, the Bruins are without a doubt the best team in their division as it pertains to goaltending and defense. And they're they're uncontended, in my opinion, especially with, with Vasilevsky out right now. So, I mean, that's that's huge. And, um, you know, looking at what, what to expect for tomorrow night, we, up front you're going to have Van Riemsdyk, Zaka, Pasternak, Marshan, Coyle, Debrus, Kiki, Patra, Frederick, Lucic, Beecher, and, and Lauko. The one name I didn't mention is Danton Heinen, who is still floating around out there on the ice. And the intention is that the Bruins are going to just try to be patient and, and try to maybe get him under the cap at some point in the, in the coming weeks. Scott, is that is that what's going on with, with Heinen, or or is there something else to play with him not being officially signed at heading into opening night? Yeah, we we don't really know. Um, you know, Jim Montgomery said on Tuesday that. They've asked Heinen to be patient, and he has been. But, you know, I look back to last year where they eventually signed Anton Strahlman after he was in camp on a PTO, and that that contract became official on opening day. Um, so it's certainly still possible that that happens with Heinen. It, I feel like that's where it's going. It certainly seems like they made roster decisions with the idea that they're going to sign Danton Heinen. Um but they also recalled Patrick Brown on Tuesday and he was out there at, for practice too. So I don't know. Is that, is that just insurance? Because as of right now, they still have the cap space to be able to do that. And Hey, you know, might as well get Patrick Brown an extra practice or two with the NHL squad. Or is that a sign that, I don't know. They still have, ground to make up with Heinen you know they're maybe they're a little apart in negotiations like I guess as long until we actually get the final answer and they announce the contract we don't know for sure but everything to this point has certainly seemed to set up for them signing Heinen um but you know certainly at least somewhat notable that it hasn't happened yet there I mean and there's cap space to do it they have I mean, Heinen's going to come contract's going to come in at under a million dollars and they have 1.3. I, I believe uh, if that number's correct. Um, one, 1.3 before the Brown call up. So if you send, as long as you send Brown back down, then yeah, it's 1.3. I mean, yeah, you should be able to get it in there. I don't know why they wouldn't send Brown back down. Um, but yeah, you have space to do it. And, and, Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, he can't practice with the team until he has a contract once the season starts. So um, theoretically, they would want to get it done before the season starts. I, I think he can. Um, he can? It's, as long as he's open to it. Uh, because I believe that's happened in the past. Like, I think someone brought up the example of, like, I think Lee Stepaniak at one point was practicing with them while he was still on a PTO or something. Um, there was the whole Tuka Rask situation a couple years ago where he was practicing without yet being signed. So I think there's some wiggle room there, but it it certainly would be odd if he's with the team past opening night and still doesn't have a contract. Like I don't I don't really get what the hang up would be that would lead to that. Yeah, and how patient can you ask him to be, right? Like you can't ask him to you know, hey, wait a few games into the season. We'll see if we can find space. Like, no. Yeah, well, if no one's really 
you know, calling him either. He might not really have a choice. Might be the might be the only option out there is Boston or you know, Europe or something. I don't know. Um, but, but you I know, I mean that I, that also that, that sort of feels like like an unnecessary game of chicken though, where it's like you don't really want to do that because it's like all it takes is you know some team out there has a third line and go down on opening night and says, "Hey, Danton, how's you know one point one million sound?" And he says, "Yeah, you know what? The Bruins are kind of like jerking me around. It's kind of weird." Sure, I'll sign. Here we go. Yeah. So, Bridget, I want to I want to throw this to you first, and then Scott, you can think of all she's answering, and I'm going to put you both on the spot. Um. Do you have any early candidates in mind? And you probably haven't even thought about this, so that's why it's kind of like I said, I put you on the spot here. But for a uh, for for a seventh player award this year recipient. And I, and I feel like there might be an obvious answer, although now that everybody expects Patra to be the best player in the league next to McDavid, the expectations are already sky high. So um, are there any fun candidates for you guys to maybe uh, for, for, for a Bruin who might exceed fan expectations by season's end? This is always a weird award. And I, it's like, do we avoid giving it to someone who has won it previously, like recently? Like it, it's been won by Jeremy Swayman before. It's been won by Jake DeBrus before. Um, it's like, so Swayman would be an obvious one because he's not the starting goalie theoretically. So he's, you know, the seventh player, quote unquote, um, there's guys that have been around too long for you to give it to them, even though they're not, you know, on technically the first line. Uh, so I guess it does kind of leave us with some of the young guys, right. That, that leaves us with Patra or, I mean, maybe, could you even consider James Van Riemsdyk? But, but even though he might be playing on like what you could consider the first line, I don't know. Uh, it, it really is sub, uh, subjective, but I think a lot of people don't really know who James Van Riemsdyk is and maybe will be pleasantly surprised by him. So maybe he gets votes. It also is kind of a, it's a little bit of a popularity contest because it's voted by the fans. So um, if Patra has a good season, I think it's going to him immediately. So he would probably be the number one uh, guess. But yeah, it's it's kind of a limited pool of people you can choose from. Yeah, Patra is the obvious one. Um, one of a bold prediction I threw out on Twitter last week is James Van Riemsdyk scoring thirty this year, which I don't know if I one hundred percent believe that, but I've just had this. I've just had like this gut feeling that he's going to have, you know, a much better, bigger season than I think people are expecting. Uh, And he's starting on the line with Pavel Zaka and David Pasenak. So he is certainly going to get chances to score goals. Um, And I think if that, if that, if he scores 30 or anything close to it, then yeah, he's definitely going to be in the conversation for seventh player. Because, you know, I, I think Bruins fans for the most part probably know who he is just from, you know, facing him with Toronto and Philly for so many years, but no one's really expecting like a great season out of him. I mean, he had 12 goals last year. So uh, if he's like, you know, increasing that total by 250%, uh, I think that's going to certainly exceed expectations, which is obviously part of the seventh player award. Yeah, I think, you know, Bridget, I feel like there's actually a, a good amount of uh, competition or candidates for it this year because there's been so much turnover on the roster. Um, 
you know, I, I think, yeah, I think JVR, first of all, Patra, yes, he's the obvious. If he is, if he has, you know, half the season that people think he may have <clears throat> as far as an impact player. Um, can you give it to Lucci? Well, you know, if, if Lucci's goes out there, you know, nine years after playing for Boston and scores 30 goals when he only scored 30 goals once and it was back in 2011, Lucic is not scoring thirty goals. That's, I was gonna say. I was gonna say if he if he records thirty fights, then then he's gonna <laughs> yeah, be a, exactly. a unanimous selection. <laughs> exactly. Um, Patra, he's 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 an obvious candidate. Uh, JVR, yeah, I think you know. I think people know who JVR is. I just think they don't have. I think they think he might be a little bit washed up at this point. I think people remember him from his Philly days, and that was already like you know eleven years ago, and. Um, but I don't know if they know exactly what he's capable of doing at this point in his career. So insert him with Zaka and Pasternak, and he could be primed for a big year. And then two other players, obviously, like on Lucic's uh, center iceman and John Beecher. Like if John Beecher goes out there and can put up like, you know, I don't know, 20, 23 points. Like who, you never, you never know. I mean, or, or, or works his way up to the third line. Like he could be somebody. And then Morgan Geeky is an obvious one too, where it's like, you know, if, if Patra is a third line center for a lot of the season and he dishes the puck around to to Geeky and Frederick and Geeky puts up like 20 goals, like I guarantee you Bruins fans will be like, who the hell is this guy? I mean, for the most part. So, um, yeah, I guess I don't really have a, a specific choice. I guess I'll go with Patra just because <clears throat> he's, he's, he's the popular vote and I, I'm looking forward to watching him a lot. But I um, thought that was a fun question to, to ask before we get into opening night here and we can look back and five and a half months and see how right we were or wrong we were as, as, yeah. as Patra's back down in Guelph and, and we're sitting here and the Bruins are like 13th in the conference and Marshan's traded. <laughs> no, I don't think that's happening. Yeah. Mason Laura, I would be the one other one I'd throw out. Like, obviously if he gets called up, you know, relatively early in the season, even a month or two in and by the end of the year, he's playing like a top four role and playing it well, then, you know, he's going to be right there too. All right. Anyone else have anyone have any closing thoughts or we get to wrap this one up? I am all good. Bridget, you're good. I'm good. All right. Thank you all for listening and enjoy opening night.